Let's open our Bibles to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, finding your place in your copy of God's Word. I want to say again, those of you that are here, maybe for the very first time, that we're we welcome you here. Excited that you've come to worship at Watkinsville, and some of you were able to get in the room before the teenagers dismissed to their new space, and gives you a little bit of an idea about what's going on here in the life of our church. I'd love to meet you before you get away. If uh, we haven't met before, I hang around here at the front, just in front of the platform, and I'd love for you to stop here and say hello, and let me put a name with your face, and, and uh, that'd be a great encouragement to me. Your Sunday paper that you received has a small connect card that's a part of it that's detachable. If you're a guest, I'd love for you to complete that. On your way into the commons, there's a next steps area and some people there that want to say hello to you. If you drop that connect card off there, they have a gift they want to put in your hand, and, and we want to, you to know a little bit more about what's happening here at Watkinsville. We are in this study through the book of Nehemiah, and it is a study that we're referring to as rebuild. It's the impact of one heart burdened for the Lord. One burdened heart for the Lord to rebuild for his glory. Rebuild what? Well, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. What is it that the Spirit of God is wanting to rebuild in your life? Something that you're burdened by, something that you're broken over, something that maybe brings tears to your eyes, a pain in your chest. You look at it and you just say, God, you know and I know that needs to be rebuilt. For some of you, that may be a relationship with a friend that's gone bad. It may be a marriage. It may be some area of our culture or our society, and you look at it and you say it's broken, and somebody's got to take the lead, and you don't maybe feel adequate for it, but you know that God's put the burden in your heart to see it rebuilt. It may be your own personal walk with Christ. You know you're saved. You know that Christ is your Lord and Savior, but there's no intimacy there. There's no closeness. You, you don't feel like you, you hear from the Lord or that the Lord hears from you. And maybe in this study of rebuilding, God would work to show you how that relationship with Christ could be rebuilt. I may not name what it is that the Lord is wanting to do in your life, but as you open your heart up to the Spirit of the Lord, you know God wants to rebuild something. In chapter 1 of Nehemiah, he heard from some family. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He, he served the king by making sure that the food was not poisoned before it got to him. He was about a two-month trip away from the city of Jerusalem. He was living in the city of Susa. His family came through, told him that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. They were crumbled. The gates were burned and dilapidated. They'd rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. The exiles had come back to the city, rebuilt the temple, but the walls were not built. And that was significant because in their society, in their day, for the walls not to be built around the city left them in a position of vulnerability. It left them in a position where they would be ridiculed, made fun of, mocked laughed at. There was no personal security for them. They felt just wide open for the enemy's attack. And really, the enemy didn't worry a lot about them because the walls were 
indicators of whether they were strong or weak. And Nehemiah was burdened for God's people. He wanted God's name to be great. He saw that the walls being built would be a way for that to happen. We saw in chapter 2, after he had this burden and he's weeping and praying and fasting, he goes before the king. He's been waiting patiently for the right opportunity to make a move toward Jerusalem. And his waiting patiently, God was working, and he goes to Jerusalem. He rides around by himself. He looks at the walls. He sees what needs to be done. And then he calls the people to build the wall. Before he could ever uh, get the rally going here of rebuilding the walls, opposition arises. And we saw last week that when we rise to build, opposition always rises to resist. And the traveling companion of rebuilding will be opposition. You're trying to rebuild a marriage or you're trying to rebuild something in culture or society, there will be somebody that comes along and say, it's not worth it, you can't do it, it's too big for you, it'll never happen, does it, does it really need to happen? Opposition is just going to be present in whatever we're trying to rebuild. This morning, I want to take it a step further. I want to add to this process. We have to be patient. When we're rebuilding, we have to be aware of opposition so we can overcome it and outlast it. There's a third principle here that I want to show you when we're rebuilding. It's got to be a part of our rebuilding you're going to rebuild your life, your future, your career, whatever it is, this is key. This is critical. God works through this truth to do miracles. Now, before I give it to you, I'm about to put you through five and a half minutes of the most miserable time you've ever had. That's maybe a little dramatic, but, but the next five and a half minutes are going to be kind of miserable for you, all right? I'm just going to say it up front. And um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Nehemiah chapter 3. All right? Some of you know Nehemiah chapter 3. And I'm going to read it. All right? And it's going to, I'm just telling you up front, it's not entertaining. It's not inspiring. Uh, It will be a work of the Spirit if you say amen at any time in Nehemiah chapter 3, all right? But there's something I want you to feel. There's something I want you to feel as you read through this chapter that drives home the truth of what's necessary for God to rebuild through us in our life, all right? So five and a half minutes. I got to have glasses for this. And, um, and here we go. Then Eliashib. The high priest rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezabel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baanah, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. 
Joiada, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Basodii, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon, and Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Harhiah, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumath, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Heshebaniah, repaired. Malkajah, the son of Haram, and Hashbub, the son of Pahath, Moab, repaired another section in the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malkajah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakaram, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kolhazah, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah, the kings of the garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. And after him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Beth-zur, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. Rahum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilah, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Baviah, the son of Henadad, ruler of half the district of Keilah. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the army at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabbai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elishib, the high priest. And after him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishib to the end of the house of Elishib. After him, the priest. The men of the surrounding area repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Maasiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benuiah, the son of Hinnadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palel, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Perosh, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east in the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoites repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priest repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emmer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, 
prepared as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. Amen. amen and amen. <laughs> now listen, I thought I would look up and you'd all be gone. And, um, but uh, why would you read that? Why would I put you through it and put myself through it the last two hours? And if you thought I mispronounced any one of those words, uh, just see me here next week and I'll let you read it aloud uh, and correct it. But um, I, I read it, well, for one reason, at some time in our life, every single one of us needs to hear the names of these workers out loud. It's been preserved there, it's, it's there, and it's, it, it, they were a part of the team that rebuilt. But what did you feel when we were reading through that? Did you hear all the names? Hear all the groups of people? Did you hear words like beside them and next to them and beside them and next to them? Did you hear things like goldsmiths and perfumers and their daughters and their sixth son? Do you hear those words like um, in front of their house and in front of their house and beside their house? Here's the truth that I want to drive home this morning, and it's, uh, it's, it's what we need to take away when it comes to rebuilding. Rebuilding is a group project. Rebuilding is a group project. Now, for many of you in this room, hearing the phrase group project brings great horror to your mind. <laughs> You've been there. You've done that. And some of you are that guy, right? You know the guy uh, who celebrates the A but doesn't show up for work. And, and God forgive you, all right, for being that guy. But rebuilding is a group project. I want you to see this morning that Nehemiah shifts from chapter 1 of him saying, I was burdened, I fasted, I prayed, I mourned, I wept, I went before the king, I asked the king, I traveled to Jerusalem, I surveyed the walls. I, I, I. He gets to verse 17 of Nehemiah chapter 2, and he says, Then I said to them, you see the trouble, he changes the pronoun. You see the trouble, what is it? We are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us Rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Rebuilding is a group project. And as we, we talk in these days about a burden that we have, we talk in our lives about being patient, waiting, watching, worshiping, being willing to move when God says go. We talk about opposition that arises against our rebuilding. A major piece to us being successful in rebuilding is that we don't do this alone. 
You don't try to do it all by yourself. It's not, I'm trying to rebuild my marriage. I'm trying to rebuild my future. I'm trying to rebuild my walk with Christ. I'm trying to change this in culture. I'm doing this. I'm do Listen, you aren't going to rebuild for the glory of God if you don't have others going along with you. These walls we celebrate were rebuilt in 52 days. Two and a half miles of walls, 34 gates, I mean 34 lookout towers and seven gates rebuilt in 52 days. And chapter 3, that miserable reading of all of those names, we jokingly say there is the background, the backdrop to us being able to see the success. God does miracles, but he does miracles through people. I want you to see the math of rebuilding. The math, this group project. See the, the math of rebuilding. Why, why do we need a group around us to rebuild? Number one, it divides the load. It divides the load. You don't have to carry it all by yourself. Two and a half miles of walls, 34 towers, seven gates. What did it take? Chapter 3 shows us 40 different groups of people. 40 different groups. And God's word saw the value that enough that he has preserved it for eternity. 40 groups. 28 times in Nehemiah 3, it says next to them, beside them, next to them, beside them. To rebuild with others divides the load. To rebuild with others, number two, multiplies the effort. You get more done in a quicker amount of time. Greater potential for success. It multiplies the effort. You come out of chapter three with all of those groups working together with children and men and women with different skills and abilities. You get to chapter four and they face opposition and in the face of opposition with all of those groups working, verse 6 of Nehemiah 4 says, So we built the wall. It multiplies efforts. Nehemiah's, the name Nehemiah is used once in chapter 3, but it was not the Nehemiah that was the governor of Jerusalem. It's signified by saying Nehemiah the son of Asbut. It's significant that when it lists out the names of people that were working on different sections of the walls that Nehemiah is never listed as one of those that had a section of the wall. He had his role. He had his place. The people had their section of the wall to take care of. They were able to multiply their effort. Number three, you divide the loads, you multiply the effort, and you subtract the discouragement. And, and when you're working with a group, it's rare that the whole group's going to be all down at the same time. And isn't that so important in a marriage? When one is down, the other one is able to say, come on, we, we can do this, and vice versa. When you're in a group of friends, and there's five of you, or seven of you, or three of you, or two of you that run together, and one really hits a cloudy day or a cloudy season, you're able to say, the other one's able to say, no, we can, we can make it, we can make it through. In the picture here of Nehemiah, Judah, 
goes south on him. He, he gets discouraged, and it says in Nehemiah 4, verse 10, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we'll never be able to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah comes along in verse 14, I looked and rose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. And you see the people working with each other to keep them encouraged, to keep the discouragement taken out of the scene. So working together as a group divides the load, it multiplies the effort, it subtracts the discouragement, and number four, it adds the missing pieces. No one of us knows exactly what to do in every situation. But when you bring others along beside you, you get their experiences, you get their enthusiasm, you get their expertise, and it comes by working together and working with others. In Nehemiah chapter 4, again, the backdrop of all of those names in chapter 3. Look at verse 21, just a little glimpse there. Opposition has arisen. And Nehemiah 4 verse 21 says, So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. You see that it had divided the load, and you had some who were doing the trowel work on the walls, and you had some carrying the spears. You had them working together. They were able to add the defenses to be able to defend the city against the opposition that wanted to come and take them out. Think about this. What are you trying to rebuild today? What do you know God's burdened your heart about rebuilding He's doing some work. It's broken down. He wants to put it back together. You got anybody traveling with you? You got anybody praying with you? You got anybody speaking into your life? Is there a mentor? Is there a coach? Is there a pastor? Is there a friend? Is there a brother, a sister in Christ? The most effective of leaders, the, the, the greatest skilled leaders, cannot rebuild alone. We need the dividing, multiplying, subtracting, adding work of working with others. Think about just in the life of this church and seeing the kingdom of God advance and grow and the kingdom build. Think about what we just saw here across this room just a minute ago. Think about 250 plus middle schoolers and high schoolers. Part of 2,500 teenagers that get together this weekend for the mix. You don't just announce that, do you? Say, let's all meet downtown. Those 250-plus teenagers, you know what? That, that meant 23 host homes. That meant 78 leaders. That meant 25 people here serving food and signing people in. It meant dozens upon dozens of people praying for this weekend. 
when we do the work of the Lord, when we're building for his kingdom, when we're making wholehearted followers of Christ, it's not a one-man show. It's not a one-person show. It takes every one of us. Did you catch the verse when we were reading through chapter 3 about the nobles of Tekoa? Did y'all catch that? Just right in here, all of a sudden, it just drops in in the middle of these 40 groups. Verse 5, Nehemiah 3. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. But their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. How does that sound to you? Their nobles would not stoop. Literal translation is they would not put their neck, they would not put their shoulder to the work. And then it just goes right on. It's just kind of that piece that just kind of stands out there that shows us hundreds of years ago they were still, they were still that guy. <laughs> they were still that guy. That was just uh, not going to work. It ought to kind of do something in us to just say, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy. The church is growing. The church is building. building, And I'm I'm not talking about facility. I'm, I'm talking about just the kingdom of God being built, doing the work of ministry. That it, it, it takes all of us. And in your life, what you're trying to rebuild, you, you need that other person, those other people to come alongside you to to, to help rebuild. When I look at what's happened here today, I get so excited about the facilities that we're using today, about the new space that the teenagers are being introduced to today. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, I was traveling, and they said, hey, what do you, what do you think about the new space? Are you enjoying it? And I just like, I just put my hand in the air and said, I'm having the time of my life. I love preaching here. I love preaching in this room. I love running up those steps and getting to this spot and asking you to open your Bibles. I love Friday night being out here in this commons area and seeing 350 people just fill that commons area with food lines, getting their food and going into the gym and eating. Just beautiful. And I stand here. I still, I, I, I walk away and I just think, where am I? Where am I? But when I think about how we got to this spot, I think about the group effort. This summer, I, I actually, when you think about the last year of building, I'm not an exhausted person because of the building. Praise the Lord. I didn't go to a lot of the uh, middle meetings in there that was going on. There were volunteers from our church and, and builders and architects that were doing those meetings. But Sean and Jason and Duke and seven or eight other people would be in those meetings, and, and they meet every Wednesday. One time this summer, I said to Sean, I said, hey, y'all meeting Wednesday? He said, yeah. I said, I want to I be at the meeting. He said, sure, come on. I said, I want to I hear y'all talk. I want to hear the tone and hear what you're discussing, hear what's going on with the project, get caught up, be in the loop. And, and so I went to that meeting, got in there at 10 on a Wednesday morning, walked in, about 10 people in the room, architects, builders, superintendents, volunteers, all around the table. We all landed in our seats, and I spoke, and they kind of looked at me, and surprised I was in, I, and I just smiled, and one of the guys automatically, he just goes to one of the volunteers, says, um, do you, 
We've got to decide today, do you want uh, metal thresholds or rubber thresholds? And one of the guys said metal. So do you want black thresholds or bronze thresholds? He said bronze. So do you want dark bronze or do you want light bronze? He said dark bronze. When he said that, I said, I'm out. I'm I'm done. I just wanted to be here for the threshold discussion. It's really important to me on uh, what we do at every door. But um, it it just kind of spoke to me of like, you know what? There's a thousand different decisions about every hinge, doorknob, and screw in this whole place. But when it all comes together, you look around, you're able to see 250-plus teenagers get packed into the front of a room. And here's what I'm saying. It doesn't happen without a group of people working together. If you're going to rebuild, you need a group of people with you. Who do you need? What kind of people? Well, when you look in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, you see there were insiders and outsiders. There were those that lived within the walls and those that lived outside the walls and with different perspectives and uh, different places in life. Those insiders and outsiders come together. You see families working together. You, you, you see some uh, men who had never been married. You, did you catch the verse that said, and their daughters? You see that? The family whose daughters were working. You have some perfumers and metal workers and uh, the, the Levites who are worship leaders. That, that you see different skills come together. Did you notice the piece when you're reading through there of how many different people that were building sections of the wall that was right beside their homes? It says next to them and next to them. And right in front of their house, they would build the one. Right in front of their house, they would build it. Why would that be so significant? I think just, it's just wisdom on Nehemiah's part to assign them there because he knew first thing when they woke up and they walked out, they'd see that portion of the wall they were responsible for. And if you know that that's your defense system for being protected and you live right beside that piece of the wall, you're going to show up for work every day till it's rebuilt. And so there was, there was people involved there, engaged, that had some skin in the game. There were people there that knew that their lives had been, would be affected there. Maybe they had seen enemies come close to their house in the past. And when you're thinking about people to come alongside you to help you rebuild, maybe you need some people not only with skills or abilities, not only maybe family, but you need some people who've been there before, felt some things before. They have some skin in the game. They're passionate about it. They know what you're feeling because they felt it too. We journeyed here in the life of our church. I think about the people that have come alongside me to, to be a part of what God has done in the days of Watkinsville. I think about those first weeks. We first arrived. C.J. Amoson found a house for us to rent. We came and we looked all day long for a house to live in somewhere in the area in fall of 2000, and we couldn't find anything. We started back to Tennessee and CJ called and said, I found a house. We'll take it. Well, you want to know what it's like? Is it available? We'll take it. We just, we need a place. And we found a house and we showed up here in August and moved into the house. And that day when we pulled in with our stuff, the red truck brigade showed up. It was our first time to, 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 to live in Athens. And, and we just, well, that's the way it is. Everybody drives red trucks in Athens, I reckon. 
And three red trucks pulled in in the driveway with us, Bob Bishop and Bob Fulmer and Bill Ropp, all three driving their red trucks with their wives. And they were there to help us unload and help us unpack and get settled in. It just started off from day one with a group of people taking this journey. I think of those men in the early days that served as deacons here, like Ira Dickerson and Bob Richards Sr. and Neil Carlisle and Buzz Amison and Bill Hager and Bob Bishop and Greg Delaurier and Buddy Kane and those guys who early on in those meetings, we just long, long, Bob, long meetings and, 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 and just journeying together to where we are today. We need a group of people around us. Don't forget why we're rebuilding. Why would you rebuild that walk with Christ? Why would you rebuild your career? Why would you rebuild your marriage? Why would you go after that relationship and rebuild it? Because it's for the glory of God, not for your happiness, not for the benefits, not for something that it's going to do in your pocket, or not for your name. It's for God's name. We'd be able to get out there and say, look what God has done. Look how God has showed up. Rebuilding is a group project. Do you have somebody traveling with you? In our days of seeing our family grow and be built, Carla and I just journeying through as parents. And we, we're not who we are. Our family's not who it is without the group of people that have journeyed with us. I don't have parenting sermons. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that there's never been a time in 20 years that I've ever said, for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about parenting? You know why? Because Monday's coming. That's why. And we got five kids and one still at home. Maybe 10 years from now, I'll do a 10-minute talk on families or something. But right now, we're just in the game. We're just in it. And um, so I don't have a lot of parenting sermons, but I know this. I know this. Every victory that we have seen in the heart of our children has come through the specific prayers of people that we can name that are journeying with us. Rebuilding is a group project. Where do you start? Let me show you something and we'll be done. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priest, and they built the what? Sheep gate. Very first, they started at the first Gate. If you were looking at the city, right at the top northwest corner, the sheep gate, and they went counterclockwise around the city walls until they got right back around. Verse 1, they started with the sheep gate. Look at verse 32 of chapter 3. 
and between the upper chamber of the corner and the what? Sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. They started with the sheep gate. They ended with the sheep gate. What's the sheep gate? That was the gate where the sacrificial lambs were brought in to go to the altar to be sacrificed there for the sins of the people. And it's symbolic of starting with Jesus Christ. And if you're thinking today about where am I going to start and rebuild in my life, my marriage, my home, my relationships, my career, our culture, or our society, you got to start right at the sheep gate. you got to start with Jesus Christ. It's a pastor in Tennessee that we've known for years that is a great preacher, but he was a great counselor. And all day long on Wednesday, just see people and counsel with them. A friend of mine went to see him one time, and he didn't know Jesus. Later, I was talking to him again about some things. I said, why don't you go back and see, call this pastor's name, this counselor's name. And he said, he won't help me. I said, what do you mean he won't help you? He said, when you go in and talk to him every single time, the first thing he wants to know is about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't have one. And he said that he can't help me if we can't start with Jesus. You know what that is? That's a good counselor. Whatever you're seeking to rebuild today, you need to start by looking at your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you trusted him? Are you trusting him? Are you going after him first? And then ask the Lord to put some names on your heart. We did this in the first hour. I want to ask you to do this with me. And it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of vulnerable. But I want to ask you today, is there something on your heart that you know God has burdened you to rebuild? I want to ask our band to go ahead and come, and we're going to sing. Is there something, as the band is coming, that you know God needs to do a miracle? And here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to stand. I'm not going to do, I'm not, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to take names. You can trust, I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want you to stand. Would you right now in this room, you know God has burdened your heart. There's something. Just, just stand in this room right now. Trust me, okay? Trust me. It's going to be, you know, God is calling you. There's something burdened your heart that you need to rebuild. Okay, just stand. About two times this many people at 9 o'clock this morning stood, okay? Now, those of you that are seating, you may be thinking through these whole weeks of Nehemiah. I don't have anything to rebuild right now. I, I see some things, but it's just not, not burdened about, not convicted. Guess what? Now's your time. You look around you. 
Your church family needs some, needs some group work. They need some people. I wonder if you could look around and this isn't going to be an exact science. Somebody's going to get missed, I know, but those that are standing, I wonder if there's some way that the others of you could get a hand on their shoulder. Just a hand on the shoulder. Would you do that? Just move right now. Get to somebody that's standing and put a hand on their shoulder. Somebody, I know, I'm sorry if you get missed in this. I want to pray with you, but as much as we can get to people that are standing, some right over here to my right, just, just reach around, put a hand on somebody's shoulder. It might be coming out of this, it would spark a conversation with somebody that you know already that could be a part of your team of praying with you, helping you, getting on the wall with you. Father, I pray for those that are standing and those that have hands on their shoulders right now and those maybe, Lord, for some reason or another that nobody got to them right now. Father, I pray that you would build a group of people around those that are trying to rebuild. I pray, Father, that you would do your mighty work through those that would come along. I pray you put names on people's hearts. I pray we'd make the effort, Lord, to to go after these things with others tracking with us, building with us, on the wall with us. And Father, we ask you to do miracles. Go beyond our skills. Go beyond our organizational skills. Go beyond our abilities. Go beyond our wisdom. And would you put these things back together by the power of your name and for the glory of your name. Please, Lord. All stand in the room together right now. Let's Let's sing this song of testimony. You're welcome to come pray this morning. I'll be here at the front if you want to pray with someone. You want to start with Jesus. You want to be saved today. Come find me here at the front. Tim, you lead us. Let's sing. Let's worship.